today on our Ask the Professional show, we have one of our veterans on here today, uh, Dr. Brian Creedy, who is on here pretty frequently. So welcome back to our show. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, great to have you here. So Dr. Creedy is a physician and medical director of surgical services with the Phelps Health Medical Group. And, you know, Dr. Creedy, we already know who you are, but we mm -hmm. love for you to just kind of repeat that and let yeah, the community sure. know a little bit about yourself. Okay. Well, uh, so <laughs> I moved here back in 2010. I was an Army physician uh, back in the day. Um, did my training down in uh, San Antonio. Originally grew up out in Washington, Missouri. Moved to Texas, and then we moved back here in 2010 when we got stationed at Fort Leonard Wood. I uh, worked on the fort for about four years, and then uh, got out of the Army and just stayed in the area and been working for, uh, originally, uh, uh, it's Phelps Health now, but it was uh, uh, Phelps County Regional Medical Center back in the day. And we just stayed in the community and uh, kind of uh, enjoyed living here and, and uh, uh, you know, what wouldn't rather be nowhere else. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love hearing that. I also love that it was hard for you to say PCRMC because Phelps yeah. Health is so much easier to say. It is. It is. I was like, wait, what, was, what, what are those letters? Uh, good branding. <laughs> so before we start talking about our main topic today, which is thyroid disorders, mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about what an ENT physician does. Sure, so this is a very uh, poorly understood uh, specialty, I'd say. <laughs> so what I, I like to tell people is we do everything above the shoulder blades except for like neurosurgery. Mm -hmm. So we don't do anything with the brain or the spine, but we manage uh, you know, any trouble with the ears, recurrent ear infections, ear tubes, uh, major hearing reconstruction, uh, anything with the sinuses from allergies all the way to uh, pretty sophisticated sinus surgeries. We do a lot of facial plastics, rhinoplasties, blepharoplasties, scar revisions, things like that. We also do a lot of uh, head and neck cancers, of which thyroid uh, diseases are, are a part of that. Uh, so it's a whole host of different things, and it's what it makes the, uh, the specialty exciting to be in. So what's the value of having that specialty in Rolla versus like somebody traveling to St. Louis or Springfield? Well, I'd say the biggest reason to have uh, someone like this here is we, you know, we live in the middle of a forest, mm -hmm. right? So we're surrounded with pollen and all these allergens and so forth. So there's a lot of sinus issues, a lot of allergy issues here. And we're also, you know, an hour, hour and a half from the major medical center. So some of the, the larger head and neck cancers, which would normally have to go to, you know, St. Louis or Columbia or Springfield mm -hmm. can be can be managed here. So um, we're kind of uh, uh, in the middle of the state, but, you know, it, it makes it more convenient to be here as opposed to driving to the cities to get your care. I have another question, too, kind of a follow-up to that. You say all of your care can be managed here. So does that mean that they can come in, see you, do surgery, and then come back for any follow-up appointments? Yeah, for the most part. Um, and we've got a, a pretty strong uh, kind of general ENT practice. There are things that we can't manage here, um, things like if you need some sort of you know, tissue transfer, free flap type issue, and those are in the larger head and neck cancers. They'll, need, they'll still need to be managed down mm -hmm. in the, the bigger cities, but for the most part, we can manage everything here. Fantastic. Okay, so now I've asked you all these questions yeah. about ENT, let's dive into thyroid, um, which again is our main topic today. What is the thyroid gland? So uh, it's a butterfly-shaped gland that sits uh, low in the neck, just anterior to the trachea, and it uh, secretes uh, thyroid hormone. Um, and thyroid hormone plays a lot of different roles uh, in the body, but probably the most common one we think about is the body's metabolic rate. Um, so it controls things like weight gain, temperature, uh, it also has a lot to do with the gastrointestinal tract, uh, kind of skin and hair changes, all, all kinds of things like that. So it, it plays a lot of roles and, and can affect quite a few things. So because of all the roles that our thyroid plays, what are some of the problems that can occur if it's not functioning properly? So there's kind of two extremes here. There's one uh, where it doesn't work as well and you're not making enough thyroid hormone that would uh, you know, give you a diagnosis of hypothyroidism. 
So in that case, what happens is the thyroid gland's not making enough thyroid hormones. So you run into problems such as unexplained weight gain, mm. fatigue is a big problem, uh, depression, sometimes constipation can be a little bit of an issue there, hair loss, kind of uh, brittle nails, thin skin, things like that is what you would see. Uh, cold intolerance is a big one um, mm -hmm. as well. But there's a lot of things that can mimic that as well. So, you know, should you have these symptoms, there are other things that it could be. Um, you know, things like depression can sometimes present mm -hmm. like that. Sleep apnea can do very similar things. Um, and postmenopausal women also have very similar symptoms. Yeah, so there are lots of different options, right? But it's you great to get it. somebody to come in and say, hey, let's make sure that you don't have this. And Absolutely. then we can refer you to all of these other different areas. And it's a, it's a fairly, fairly simple uh, way to kind of figure that out. It's just a simple blood test and can get you to the bottom of a lot of mm -hmm. these problems. Does that blood test come back pretty quickly? How soon could somebody know? Uh, it's usually within a day, yeah, in under 24 hours. So um, if someone come in to see me, we get the blood work drawn. We usually know by the next day uh, in regards to what's going on with the thyroid gland and their hormone levels and such. So we'll probably get to this, but I'm going to jump around a little bit today. Yeah, sure. So let's say that somebody does have a thyroid issue. What are treatment options for them? So let's just focus on the hypothyroidism. So mm -hmm. let's just say you're not making enough uh, thyroid hormone. It's a fairly simple uh, thyroid hormone replacement. We, we mm -hmm. start you on a medication um, like Synthroid or Levothyroxine, which is the ger generic name for that. Now with that, it typically takes about six to eight weeks for your labs to mm -hmm. equilibrate. And, and so we will re we'll start you on the medication. We'll reevaluate your blood work in about six to eight weeks. And we'll keep making adjustments until we can get things leveled out. Usually it's pretty straightforward, but sometimes there can be uh, quite a quite a different range of, of blood results we get back, and it takes some time to get figured out. But for the most part, pretty straightforward. So you talked about hypothyroidism. Let's go back to hyperthyroidism because right. those are a little bit different, right? right? Yes. Yeah, so there are different types of hyperthyroidism. What are those? There are. So hyperthyroidism is a situation where you're making too much thyroid hormone, mm -hmm. and there could be several different causes of that. Um, Probably the most common one people are aware of is something called Graves' disease. Mm -hmm. That's a, an autoimmune disease where your body creates um, an antibody that connects to a receptor in the thyroid gland and it stimulates the thyroid gland to produce too much thyroid hormone. So it's kind of the opposite of the symptoms we talked about with hypothyroidism. So instead of weight gain, you've got unexplained weight loss, which is some people say, hey, this is a pretty good benefit. I don't know that I want to change this. Um, it can give you a lot of energy and cause a lot of insomnia. So because of that, people are fatigued just because they're, they're tired because they can't sleep mm -hmm. and they're just burning too much energy. Um, it can cause some GI problems, not necessarily a diarrhea, but you can get kind of frequent bowel movements mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Um, anxiety, palpitation. So it's kind of the opposite uh, problem with, with that. Um, so like I said, Graves' disease would be the most common. We're mm -hmm. able to uh, figure that out by doing different lab work, looking for the antibodies in the bloodstream, and there's different uh, x-ray tests we can get. There's also another situation uh, where you can get actually a thyroid nodule, which a lot of people have, and we'll get into that in just a little bit. But there's a single nodule within the thyroid gland that for whatever reason decides to work out of turn with the rest of the thyroid gland and just starts producing too much thyroid mm -hmm. hormone. And you get very similar uh, symptoms with that. Um, and then there's another um, kind of a, a, an acute thyroiditis that can present from viral infections or, or, or whatever reason. And due to inflammation of the thyroid gland, you get a transient bump in your thyroid hormone levels. Those are pretty tricky to figure out because you'll see that for a little bit people are hyperthyroid and as the infection or inflammation you know, gets under control, you end up going back to normal or in the hypothyroid state. So you can see quite a, quite a roller coaster in your lab work in that case. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. So 
If somebody is struggling with hypothyroidism or hyperthyroidism, should they keep a log like a food journal or a diary ahead of coming to see you or even once they've already started treatments with you? I'd say that's probably a bit much. Um, you know, keeping a symptom log can be helpful, but uh, yeah, you know, dietary journal and stuff like that, probably not particularly helpful in this case. It's more of, uh, you know, describing your symptoms and then following the, the lab mm -hmm. work uh, with that, so. Now, with thyroid disease, does it run in families? Is it hereditary? Um, and what populations are most susceptible? Uh, it can run in families. Uh, so we talked a little bit about thyroid nodules, which is a, it's a completely separate issue from, from the hyper or the hypothyroidism mm -hmm. for the most part. So what a thyroid nodule is, it's just a small growth within the thyroid gland, and we're not exactly sure what causes it, but they're very, very common. Um, about half the folks over the age of uh, 50 or 60 will have one or multiple. So the fact that you've got a thyroid nodule um, in that age group is not uncommon at all. Uh, they seem to be a little bit more common in women, and I don't know if that's just because men don't go to the Luck doctors. Luck of the draw. Yeah, it's, it's hard <laughs> to say, but I would say that's probably true mm -hmm. uh, in my experience. Um, so... Thyroid nodules can oftentimes run in families. We'll oftentimes hear a patient saying, hey, my grandmother had problems with their thyroid gland or my aunt had to have her thyroid gland removed. Um, there are forms of thyroid cancer that are hereditary um, also. They're relatively rare, but things like medullary thyroid cancer, which is a more aggressive type of thyroid cancer, oftentimes runs in families and there's a genetic predisposition to that. What's the most common type of thyroid cancer that somebody might have? Sure. So. Uh, with thyroid cancer, we see a lot of what's called papillary thyroid cancer, and it's not a particularly aggressive thyroid cancer. It's fairly easy to treat, so it's not like getting breast cancer or head and neck cancer. It's something that's fairly easily managed with surgery and a single post-operative treatment. So that's the one that we see the most often, thank goodness, because mm -hmm. it's the easiest to treat and most people do great with it. That's awesome. So what happens when somebody has thyroid cancer um, and like you've removed this, do they have to do any follow-up appointments? Um, do they have to do any type of physical therapy? What does that look like sure. for them? So no physical therapy per se. It's just a, a relatively minor surgery. We mm -hmm. typically just remove the thyroid gland and with that surgery, you lose the ability to produce thyroid hormone. So that has to be replaced. So you'd be mm -hmm. on a daily thyroid hormone replacement. And sometimes it takes a little while to get that level to where you need to be. So it's, you know, start you on some medication, recheck your lab work, adjust the medication, recheck your lab mm -hmm. work, and it takes time. And those numbers can fluctuate uh, um, throughout your lifetime as well and oftentimes need to, to be adjusted. Now, the interesting thing uh, about thyroid uh, and thyroid cancers, the thyroid gland secretes a pretty unique protein into the bloodstream that can be monitored. So let's say you had thyroid cancer. We take your thyroid gland out. We're able to monitor recurrence by uh, just a, a simple blood draw in, in most cases. What we would see is this protein would start to be present in the blood, which shouldn't be there, and it kind of raises our suspicion that, hey, maybe your thyroid cancer is back. So what we typically do is we'll monitor your thyroid hormone levels every six months to a year. We'll check what's called a thyroglobulin level. This is the protein that's secreted in the blood by the, by the thyroid gland, and we shouldn't see that mm -hmm. after thyroid cancer treatment. So when we see that number start to rise, that raises our suspicion that, hey, we should look for a recurrence. So are these the types of things that are warning signs initially of cancer, or, or is this just recurring cancer? It would be the recurrence. Um, someone that has a normal thyroid gland should have that protein mm -hmm. circulating in their blood because their thyroid's still in their body. Mm -hmm. so. so what about thyroid nodules? Are they always a warning sign of cancer, or is this just something normal that we all have? So I would start out by saying that's probably something normal that most people have. Mm -hmm. As we mentioned earlier, about half the folks over the age of 50 or 60 will have one or, or multiple mm -hmm. thyroid nodules. So what oftentimes happens is they'll get some sort of x-ray or CT scan for something else and they'll incidentally find that, oh, you've got something in your thyroid gland and or 
you know, you'll be, you know, putting on your jewelry or something one day or be shaving and you'll notice, hey, there's a little fullness here. Someone will mention, hey, your, your throat, throat looks like it's a little bit full. You need to get mm -hmm. that checked out. So what ends up happening in that case is an ultrasound is done and, and that's how these are typically found. So should people over a certain age, should that be something that they kind of look for similar to like breast exams, um, just to kind of notice if something is different and then to have that conversation? That wouldn't be a bad thing to recommend. It's fairly simple just to take a feel around the front of your neck. Mm -hmm. And if you feel kind of a lump or an enlargement in there, that probably needs to be checked out. So yeah, I'd say that's a pretty easy and straightforward thing to do. Yeah. And then if you notice that, probably make an appointment with you an ENT, it. right? You got, or even your primary care <laughs> yeah. provider, they can order an mm -hmm. ultrasound. Yeah, which is awesome. Um, so we already kind of talked about how thyroid cancer is, is treated through mm -hmm. surgery, but what are other options if somebody maybe doesn't want to have surgery? Do sure. they have other options? Well, let's just focus on thyroid nodules because that's kind of how this discussion mm -hmm. um, would start. So if you find that you've got a thyroid nodule. What typically happens is you get an ultrasound and there's things in your, uh, your past medical history that would raise our suspicion that, hey, mm -hmm. maybe this is something more serious. If you've got a family history of thyroid cancer, as we mentioned, um, there can be a genetic predisposition predisposition for that. So if you've got a family history that raises our suspicion a little bit, or if you've been exposed to kind of external beam radiation for other cancers, especially at a younger age, even things like getting CT scans before the age of 20 can increase your risk for thyroid cancer. So it's important to note that. So if you've got that in your history, it, it raises our suspicion a little mm -hmm. bit. After that, we look at the ultrasound, we look at the size and character of the thyroid nodules and determine, hey, is this something that needs to be worried about or not? Mm -hmm. There are things like the size of the nodule, kind of the borders, whether they're irregular or not. Even the color of the nodule on the ultrasound can help us uh, determine your risk for thyroid cancer. And then based on all of these factors, we determine that either one, hey, this is nothing to worry about. We can just follow this with ultrasounds every six months, every year, and then see how things go. Um, in that case, what we would do is if we see some growth over that time frame, we'd say, hey, this has changed. You know, perhaps maybe we should consider a biopsy. Uh, the next recommendation would be, hey, this nodule looks a little bit concerning. I don't like the color. I don't like mm -hmm. the appearance. You've got this family history. We should do some form of biopsy. So what we can do is schedule you for an ultrasound-guided biopsy. Um, and what we do there is we use an ultrasound machine. We identify the nodule on the machine, and we stick a couple of needles into the thyroid nodule, remove some of that tissue, and have the pathologist take a look at it and kind of give us a better sense as to whether or not that's anything to worry about. Um, and then based on that biopsy result, it's either this is going to be benign, which means we can follow it with ultrasound, mm -hmm. or hey, this looks suspicious for a cancer. This is definitely cancer. In that case, we're talking surgery to remove the thyroid gland. You mentioned a couple of things that I thought were really interesting. Color and appearance seem mm -hmm. to be something that you definitely look at when you're trying to decide whether or not this is concerning and how right. you move forward. What do you mean whenever you say color and appearance? So an ultrasound essentially in black and white, so there's not mm -hmm. a lot of color, yeah. there, right? So it's more kind of the shading of it. So when you hear that you've got a hypoechoic nodule, that just means it's darker than the rest mm -hmm. of the thyroid gland. That's a concerning feature. Um, irregular borders, which means you, it doesn't look like a well-circumscribed marble, per mm -hmm. se, in the thyroid gland. If it's has jagged borders and you can't really make out the edges, that's a little bit more concerning uh, as well. That would suggest, hey, maybe this is infiltrating. Um, you also hear the term microcalcifications. Those are just really bright white dots within the thyroid nodule, and those are calcium deposits, which are a little bit more common in, in thyroid cancers as well. Mm -hmm. And then overall size becomes an issue as well. Typically, any solid nodule over two centimeters probably should be biopsied. Um, 
outside of that, you've got to take other things into consideration. Like say if your patient's 85 and has, you know, a bunch of other medical comorbidities, not a, probably a particularly great surgical candidate. That's probably probably one I'd be more inclined to watch. Whereas if I have an 18, 19 year old patient mm-hmm. that has this thyroid nodule, it's a centimeter and a half, I'm probably going to get a biopsy on that patient because I'm a little bit more concerned and it's something they're going to have to deal with for the rest of their life. So, What about um, the people who are 18 can their thyroid disorders be outgrown or is it something that's lifelong? So if you have a patient who's 18 and you notice this, is this mm-hmm. something that they're going to have to deal with their whole life? Well, it, it, I guess the answer is it depends on what's going on. Mm-hmm. So uh, hyperthyroidism in particular is something that can wax and wane with time. Mm-hmm. So let's just say you come in, I diagnose you with hyperthyroidism and we say, hey, you've got Graves disease and here's what we can do for that. There's, about, there's three different treatment options for, for, mm-hmm. for that. One would be we can put you on a medication that can suppress your uh, uh, body's ability to metabolize thyroid hormone, um, methemazole or uh, propothiouracil are the two medications that we use. What we've found is if we can put you on that medication for six months, two years, sometimes this just goes away on its own and, and things correct themselves. Either the body's immune system settles down or the inflammation or whatever was going on has corrected itself. So that is one treatment option. Uh, the second would be, hey, we could just take you to surgery, get your thyroid gland out, and this is no longer going to be a problem for you. But in that case, obviously, we'd have to put you on thyroid hormone replacement and manage that for the rest of your life. Then there's another treatment they can do. It's called a radioactive iodine ablation. It's a pill that you take. The thyroid gland is really the only gland or tissue in the body that uses iodine any appreciable amount. So it has a, uh, we give you an iodine tablet that has a radioactive material attached to it. So the iodine's ingested, it's taken up into the thyroid gland, and that radioactivity essentially ablates or burns out the the thyroid gland and causes it to to quit working. It's a non-surgical option. We typically recommend for uh, older folks that aren't great surgical candidates. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. I had no idea that was even a treatment option. Yeah. (laughs) That's why we bring you on the show. (laughs) So another question I have is, what is postpartum thyroiditis? So we actually, you'll see that during pregnancy mm-hmm. um, as well. It's not just postpartum, but you can see it during pregnancy as well. It's the thyroid gland seems to swell during pregnancy. And oftentimes what we'll see is uh, you get a little thyroiditis, which means your thyroid hormone levels start to get a, mm-hmm. get a bit too high. You run into this hyperthyroid uh, state. It's kind of like uh, you can get a viral infection of the thyroid gland as well. That'll do, do the same thing. It's a transient bump in the thyroid hormone um, that needs to be investigated. So we'd look into seeing seeing if you had Graves disease or other mm-hmm. other problems like that. Um, but it's typically something that can be managed uh, short term um, and we'll see it from time to time. What about fertility? So um, does th- do thyroid disorders affect fertility and, and if somebody's even able to get pregnant? Right, that is a great question. There's a lot of overlap between estrogen, progesterone levels and thyroid hormone levels and it has a lot to do with the way the pituitary gland in the brain works. So there's a hormone that's secreted by the brain, the pituitary gland in the, in the brain, that's called thyroid stimulating hormone. And it's probably, as far as thyroid lab works goes, probably the most important in determining what to do with this. So the pituitary secretes this TSH for short, and it goes to the thyroid gland and, and tells the thyroid gland to produce thyroid hormone. Well, like I said, it's very similar to some of the other uh, hormones that are important for menstruation and pregnancy and such. So when you run into thyroid problems, you typically will notice some changes uh, uh, in your menstrual period. So folks that are hypothyroid typically have heavier periods, will bleed a little bit more, uh, whereas opposed to those that are hyperthyroid, you may notice that, hey, your, your menstrual period's a little bit further out, they're fairly light, and it can cause some issues with fertility as well. 
Can diet or lifestyle affect the thyroid or even um, like the creation of thyroid nodules in our body? Absolutely, absolutely. So we live in a society that has iodine in their salt. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, a low iodine diet can uh, put you at risk for what's called a goiter or just a diffuse enlargement of the thyroid gland as well as thyroid nodules. So absolutely, thyroid can, or, uh, diet can play a big role there. But like I said, because of our salt intake and such, we don't really see a whole lot of that in the United States. There are a couple isolated cases from time to time, but absolutely. Mm -hmm. That's great to know. So for patients who want to be seen for thyroid issues, how can they make an appointment with you? Can they just call you today or do they need to go through their primary care provider? Absolutely. We've got a couple of insurances that require referrals. I think TRICARE is one of them and there may, may be a couple of private insurances that require referrals. But for the most part, you can just call our office. We can typically get you in within the same day or even the same week uh, mm -hmm. in most cases. So. And we also have my chart too, so they can schedule Absolutely. through my chart, which is awesome. So you don't even have to call anybody. I'm somebody that's pretty <laughs> introverted by nature. Um, I know that I'm on a radio show saying that, so right. nobody's going to believe me. Um, but... I'm more about like to talk to people in person, so I'm always going to make a phone Right, call. yeah, it takes two to tango. Uh -huh. um, so that phone number, if anybody does want to call, it's 573-364-5719. Um, so we have just a couple of minutes left, and I want to talk about just ENT in general because uh -huh. we have a few minutes. What are some of the most common um, issues or complaints that you see patients for? So especially this time of year and in early spring, allergies become a major mm -hmm. issue. Allergies, recurrent sinus infections, congestion, nasal drainage, things like that. Um, we do have a fairly robust allergy practice uh, in our ENT uh, office as well. We do allergy testing, offer allergy shots, and, and can manage that quite effectively. So I'd say right now that's the most common thing we see. As we get closer to the winter months when some of the allergies and stuff die off, we will run into recurrent sinus infections, recurrent strep, things like that. So we see a lot of uh, you know kids that will need their tonsils out for recurrent strep or recurrent ear infections mm -hmm. and things like that. So it depends on the time of year. Yeah, you know, that also made me think of a really great question I want to ask you, and I'm totally putting you on the spot here. Mm -hmm. um, Flu vaccinations are coming up. I've already gotten mine. Should everybody go and get their flu vaccine? Everyone, I see your sticker. Right. I've, got my, I've gotten my flu vaccine as well. Everyone that is able should should get the flu vaccine. Um, there is some concern that the, the flu virus may be a little bit more virulent this year because we didn't have a bad flu season last year because of... Um, COVID and the mask and so forth. So yes, get your flu vaccine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, Dr. Creedy, thank you so much for being here today. You are always a wealth of knowledge. Today, we've been speaking with Dr. Brian Creedy in ENT or ear, nose, and throat. Like he said, everything above the shoulders, right? Yep, except for the brain and spinal cord. <laughs> except for the brain and spinal cord physician with the Phelps Health Medical Group. Dr. Creedy is currently accepting new patients. To schedule an appointment, call 573-364-5719. If you missed part of the show or would like to listen to it again, please visit phelpshealth.org.